0: and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And if you've been with me for about three years, you recognize this smiling face next to me. on a computer my friend bill thrasher is back with us and uh well this is somewhere in the 330s of my podcast and bill was on over two years ago for podcast number 116 and guys it just seemed like yesterday
1: it does it does (laughs) for sure
0: bill thank you for being back and welcome my
1: pleasure great to be back
0: bill is in the atlanta area and uh and is a man of many talents, a lot of those in the uh, technology world with audiovisual stuff. But he's also an author of a great book called The Jesus Purpose, which was really impactful for me when it came out. And he's a, a host of the Facebook group by the same title. And he has a famous wife who's rapidly becoming a guru and refinishing furniture. So uh, She's going to go great guns with that, and Bill will be able to retire, travel the world, and uh, we'll celebrate together.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: I really got off track there. But, no, it's uh, all
1: good. Give, <laughs> give her a plug. It's re-purpose-full. That's my wife's page. I'll put the plug out there.
0: Re-purpose-full.
1: Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, re full but dashes between the re and the full. Yeah. And her, you know, she bringing new life to old things is her motto. And there's something, honestly, very similar to what we believe kind of in that. Yeah, no kidding. She goes to these places like Goodwill and buys a $10 piece of furniture and pours her heart and soul into it and refurnishes it and refreshes it and restores it. And then she's able to turn it into a priceless work of art. Well, I shouldn't say priceless. There's a price, but nonetheless, but a
0: a reasonable
1: price. That's right. That's right. Oh, nice.
0: That's great. Repurposeful. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, I've been talking these days, Bill, about my new book, Grace to All, same name as the podcast. And, in it, I feature most of the people that I've interviewed over the last three years, and I do a, about a, a two-page story on each one of them and tell a little bit about their story and talk about their books and courses and things like that. And I want to say, and I think you know this, but you were very instrumental in me writing this book because I was watching an interview with you and Mike Zinker and... uh Richard Murray, you're closer to those guys than I am, but I'm friends with them and enjoy them. But you you guys were talking one time about what's going on around the world with so many people coming into the fuller understanding of the unconditional love of God and grace and inclusion. And you guys went off on a little rabbit trail and you said, "Guys, if there was just some way we could connect all these people together, if there was some kind of a forum where people could connect with each other. And I got to thinking... Well, you know, I've interviewed a bunch of these people, and maybe I could write a book about them and tell about them and get it out to people so that they could get to meet these different people that I've learned from and grown from. And there'll probably be more people that they could connect with than they would with me. And so – that was kind of the genesis of it. And so thank you for that.
1: Hey. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, my royalty check can be sent to, um, no, I'm just
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to talk about royalty checks here in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but I appreciate it. And, and you and I were both guests on Mike Sinker's forgiveness conference last month. And gosh, that, that was a, a wonderful, powerful thing. And, uh, I don't know, there's 16 of us or so. and uh,
1: Yeah, and it spanned uh, four hours or three hours a night for four different weeks. So, I mean, it was a lot of content. It's a really, really amazing company to be able to share a little conference, online virtual conference with, for sure.
0: Yeah, it really was. And gosh, I'm so grateful for technology today. You've been involved in technology all your life, but I'm so grateful for it because... We get to meet new people and, and we get to make friends and we get to share stories and share ideas with people that we never would have, have met had it not been for Internet. So it's really cool. We talked about this when I interviewed you a couple of years ago, but tell people just a little bit about your experience growing up with Billy Graham.
1: Yeah, so it's really all because of my father. My dad is also named Bill Thrasher, and he and my mother met in a touring group called the Regeneration in the early mid 70s. My dad toured with Truth, if you ever heard of them before that. And uh, anyway, fast forward many years, my dad was the sound man. My mother was the high soprano. They sang and respectively did sound for the Gaithers for a few years after that. I was born, they got off the road. My dad ended up at a group called Mobile Sound. And I think he was able to do a Billy Graham crusade as a crew member. But he made such an impression that a few years down the road, when he was on staff at First Baptist Orlando, shortly after being on staff at Disney World for several years, he was invited to come back. This would have been early 80s and begin to participate actively as Billy's front of house engineer, sound engineer. So uh, basically for all the 80s, the 90s, and basically until 2009, 2010, when he finally retired from active crusades, my dad was a front house engineer. And and really through the 2000s, they really blossomed into a mega event. And I was blessed to be a part of that for about a decade of my own life. After I was, you know, I graduated high school around the time I was 16, 17, I was able to be a part of that crew. It was just amazing to be in these giant stadiums full of people hearing the good news. Now, granted, it may be a slightly different variation of the good news than what you and I have come to understand, but that's one of the things that I, I appreciate so much about the history of our faith. A lot of people hold animosity toward it, and I think there's some corrective measures there, but I really don't hold animosity. I, I think it's a necessary progression that we've all had to go through. My grandfather was a missionary in Brazil, and he had more of a Wesleyan background, right? Mm. But he wrestled between Calvinism and Wesleyan his whole life. My mother's side of the family is that heritage. so. Richard Murray, you just mentioned one of our good friends, he he tells the metaphor is, you know, it's our job to stand on the shoulders of those who came before us and look further into the horizon of grace. And I, I really think that's what we're seeing with a lot of our friends that you're gonna, you know, be sharing about in this book or people who have come through evangelical religion that that has some really good foundational truths and a lot of baggage that is either hypocritical or or has kind of mm. taken a tangent. And we're bringing it back to that radical origin, that root origin. And so, you know, the, the opportunity served with Billy Graham just showed me how much the gospel, how much power it still holds them. You know, 80,000 people in a stadium to hear that God loves them. And that was said, and that Jesus came and died so that they may know that love, right? Yeah. And that, that simple essence of that message, even in some of the worst places where they have the gospel perverted, is still there to the person who's broken and needs to hear that. And and sometimes it gets a little janky along the way, but by and large, I think that simple idea that the Father loves us and Jesus shows us that love, I mean, that's, that's good. And if we just continue yeah. to dig into those two aspects, we tend to get to some really wonderful places.
0: Yeah, we do. Gosh, well said. I interviewed someone last week. It might have been Brad Jerzak, but I can't remember for sure. They were telling me a story that I'd never heard before about Billy Graham. He was apparently in Tibet or somewhere like that, and he went to see a Buddhist temple. And there were people with him and stuff, kind of a press entourage and stuff. And there was an older gentleman with a robe and stuff on sitting outside this place, cross-legged and meditating. And Billy went over to him and asked him if he spoke English. And the guy said, yeah. And he said, do you mind it? Could I tell you about Jesus? And he said, sure. I don't know anything. Tell me. And so he started telling him. And this man, something dramatically happened. You could see it in the guy's face. And tears came down his cheeks. And he, he was smiling and everything. And Billy, he hadn't had that exact result before. And he said, may I ask, what is it that's overcome you? And he said, well, now I know his name. He's been in me all my life. And I talked to him. But I didn't know what his name was. And according to whoever it was that told me this, Billy didn't quite know what to do with that, but he thought it was cool. (laughs) As a matter of fact, I think it was Brad Jerzek because he was talking about the First Nation people in Canada. When people from Europe came over to evangelize them, they found out that Jesus had already beat them to it and uh, (laughs) that they, they already knew the
1: God of love who was in them. They just called him by a different name.
0: Have you ever heard that story before? Oh yeah. Oh, have you?
1: Oh yeah. My grandfather actually had the same experience in Brazil. Really? Absolutely. He would go into a tribe that had never seen a white person before and be the first people to go there. And again, different generation, different culture, different paradigm, but he would go there and they begin to share the gospel. And these people would say the exact thing. We know of God of love. We knew of all these things. You've just given us the names. Really? Absolutely. Absolutely. My grandfather used to tell us those same stories all the time. And my mom was raised in Brazil, my uncle born there. So yeah, that missionary kind of mentality, which again, if we're going to be really honest, a lot of times stem from not necessarily the healthiest place. <laughs> it was about going and, you know, saving these people from the judgment, and the fire of God a lot of the time. Uh, and so there was this kind of, mentality that you're going and helping them be freed from the wrath of God. But in reality, we were there to express the love of God. And I I think a lot of missionaries who work on that front line, the love message is what they lead with. Absolutely. The motivation may have been something rooted in something that wasn't quite as healthy, but love really was actually Billy Graham. I mean, he was probably the most famous evangelist of our generation, at least. He softened so much. If you watch a lot of his early videos as a younger man, he was pretty hellfire and brimstone, you know, intense and Bible thumping the whole nine yards. But as he got older and he he saw the world more, he really did soften. And uh, I know he befriended or, or they co-friended Pope John Paul II, I think, and really bridged a pretty deep divide between the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church that had existed for quite some time. And I, I just I was looking over here, I pulled up a quote from Billy. It said, "Whether they come from the Muslim world or the Buddhist world or the Christian world or the non-believing world, they're members of the body of Christ. They may not even know the name of Jesus, but they know in their hearts that they need something that they don't have, and they turn to the only light that they have. And I think that they are saved, and that they are going to be with us in heaven."
0: That was on Robert Schuler's show, wasn't it?
1: I think it uh, may be. You know, and yeah. I. Yeah. Wow. What I mean. Granted, maybe even some of the verbiage and stuff, we would just articulate differently, but you can see the progression, right? Yeah. He was able to walk into a place that had a much more open perspective than probably
0: what he started with. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. And I appreciate you telling me that about your grandfather, because when I heard Brad talking about the First Nations people in Canada, that was the first time I'd ever heard somebody say that. And then I heard that story about Billy Graham. And gosh, Bill, every day I find out that God is better than I thought he was the day before. And I find out stories like that that are just so heartwarming. I mean, they're just so Jesus, aren't they? That Like he beat us to the punch, I'm sure, with a smile on his face.
1: <laughs> I was at an event called Nacy. It was a, basically a North American conference for itinerant evangelists. Billy was a keynote speaker. My dad was a sound man. They didn't have any budget. I was probably 18, 17 years old, maybe even 16. All the kids from my dad and then the video director were the crew. So I was running camera. Camera one main camera operator as a you know as a kid, probably getting paid fifty bucks a day, you know <laughs> just to be there and then do this. It was a great event, but one of the speakers kind of goes in the same theme, and I can't remember the whole point of the conference, but this one there just wasn't a dry on the place. He was a uh, missionary and he was there with these two men in completely authentic tribal garb. I want to say it was from South America some way I believe I'm not exactly sure it could have been Africa, pretty sure it was South America, and he said this is whatever the gentleman's name was. And he said, he's my father. And obviously, clearly not his father, right? But what had happened was this man had killed his actual father, because the father was the original missionary to go into the tribe and had murdered him in self-defense and then confusion and and those, those things. And instead of being aggressive in his relationship. They were able to start a communication over time. The son found that this man over time was the guy who actually killed his father in confusion. And, and, you know, and they formed a relationship. And this man adopted this guy as his son into the tribe. And you know, it's just that picture of reconciliation, like it's like everybody's crying, you know, through this whole thing. But it's that's the love of God that through the love, the story of the love of God, not only was there forgiveness, but there was a reconciliation and a redemption and a renewal and a whole new bond, family that was created. That I mean, if that's not the love of God in action, I, I don't, I just don't know what is. <gasps> wow, what a yeah.
0: what a really great cool story. To- no kidding. I'm really getting blessed tonight. I, I usually do with whoever I interview, but oh uh, man.
1: I was running uh, camera and I was only 17 and I think I was crying. So, a 17 year old boy crying, you know, it's got to take something pretty powerful to do that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What from the conference that we did with Mike, reconciliation is. Mm. Not always possible.
1: Uh you it's know, we, not inside of as Richard and I I, I have talked and you know I'll stare steal some of his phraseology. Not under the S U N Sun. It's yeah. only under the S O N sun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad to know there's another thief here because I steal a lot of Richard's stuff. Right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's a good guy. uh,
0: Yeah, for two or three weeks, I'll say, well, my friend Richard Murray said this. And then after that, I'll say, well, I always said this. And, you know. (laughs) Exactly. There's not a lot of new things on the earth, but I think Richard's got a large percentage of whatever new things that there are. So, Bill, what do you see happening right now around the world with people coming to understand grace and unconditional love and inclusion? Are things any different now than 10 years ago or when you wrote your book? What do you see now?
1: I think so. And I'm a guy that is going to be really patient. I think through this endeavor. And I think that's something we need to be aware of. One of the things I think that I've observed in the eight to 10 years where I've had activity in this is community, but really more or less in the last six or so where I've been active is the pace at which deconstruction is happening is just, it's almost a little overwhelming. I'm not sure it's always healthy. I was just being honest. It's so much to digest for the average person. And honestly, I think that's why we see the, that recoil right now from a lot of the evangelical world, where we have people that are actively really threatened by the kind of unconditional love a message of God, but where that leads us if we allow it to. And that, you know, we call it deconstruction, whatever word you want to label it. And I think a lot of it's because it's just so the diversity of where it can lead is kind of all over the map. You have people like Brad who are extremely Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox now in their theology, but who have come to know this unconditional love of God. And we have other friends who had a child remaining nameless who've almost turned complete atheists. And they came through this, but for whatever reason, they've just literally abandoned everything of the faith message that, that you and I have known. So I think that's, they just recognize that and to not allow that to necessarily instill fear but allow that to bring wisdom, allow that to bring clarity to someone who may be entering this. You don't have to take Mm -hmm. it all at once. Patience, contemplation, rest. If it's not an easy burden, you know, if it's not a light yoke, if it doesn't make your day better and bring you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, right? Faithfulness, goodness, then we're probably off course.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. You know, we're about out of time, but let's talk about that a little more in our next episode. I'll tell people, as I always do when we do two episodes, you guys will hear the next episode a few days later. We'll be wearing the same shirt. One of us will have shaved the top of his head and the other not. But uh, <laughs> but other than that, we've probably taken a shower. Before we do that, tell people where they can get your book, the Jesus Purpose book, and how they can connect with you.
1: Yeah, it's available on Amazon in both paperback and uh, e-format. You can go to Amazon. It's the Jesus Purpose and William Thrasher. We should be able to find it pretty easily. And then we'd love to have you join us on Facebook over the Jesus Purpose Community. It's a private group. The only reason it's private, just keep it a little bit in, but we let pretty much everybody in. And so, uh, if you request join, just look, say where'd you hear about us? Paul Show, Grace Stall, and we won't we'll let you in. And and we we have some really good discussions in there. It's it's very again very Jesus focused. We also don't hold back many many punches
0: either no it's a great place well i encourage people to check that out i I encourage people to get the book it's a great book and sure it's short too you know it's not too long (laughs) no and it's very good and so we'll talk a little bit more in our next episode thanks bill for being with us this time my pleasure
1: my pleasure
0: and thanks everybody for watching and for being with us for another edition of grace to all with paul gray we'll see you next time thank you for listening to grace to all